I'm Jack Newton, CEO and co-founder of Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal software provider. In each episode of Daily Matters, we'll explore what this new normal means for law firms, how legal professionals can find success while working remotely, and how lawyers can best serve their clients during this unprecedented situation. Today's guest is Kristen Tyler, co-founder of Law Clerk and partner at Garmin Turner Gordon LLP. Kristen, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for the invitation. I'm happy to be here. So Kristen, first of all, how are you and your family doing? Uh, well, we are definitely some of the lucky ones here in our hometown of Las Vegas. We are very fortunate to still be able to work from home and have plenty to eat and all those things. Um, that being said, we have, you know, our family has had personal impact by, by this illness, by this pandemic. And so we very much know it's real and our hearts go out to everybody who's being affected. And, uh, but we're, we've adjusted to the new level of chaos with a couple of little kids at home and two busy lawyers at home and uh, no help. Uh, so it's uh, a new level of chaos, but we we're kind of getting into a groove now. That idea of getting into a groove uh, in this, in this kind of climate, I, I heard referred to as our new abnormal, which I thought was a good, a good way of putting it. We're getting exactly. used to our new abnormal. Exactly. Cause was there ever really a normal to begin with? Right. I don't know. Exactly. That wasn't at my house. So. <laughs> exactly. It yeah. did get distinctly less normal though, quite yes. quickly in March, didn't it? Um, and what, what do you find being on your mind most right now? Right. Um, it probably just depends on what moment in the day I'm in, but um, I think it's really just trying to stay ahead of whatever's next, whether it's, time to go start our second grade class for the day, time to make another grocery order on Instacart, time to join a, a virtual boot camp with some lawyers, um, just trying to stay one little tiny step ahead of where I need to be because it's, it's so, a lot right now. Yeah, no, uh, agree. And, and maybe f focusing first on the personal side of things before we get on to uh, your professional life, what, what, what kind of changes have you seen on the, the personal side of things and what are some of the things you're doing to adapt and 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 survive in this climate? Sure. Um, definitely giving myself a lot of grace that, um, like I used to be the type, I was a little neurotic about laundry and it was, I've never had laundry pile up and there's laundry piled up in my house right now. So yeah. a little bit of grace there. Um, no, we've done some things that honestly have been kind of wonderful. We've started doing a family zoom call with whoever wants to get on an extended family on Sunday afternoons, just pick a time and whoever wants to jump in. And that's been really fun. Like that's something I don't know why we didn't do that before. And I hope that continues because I feel a lot more connected to extended family members all over the country, you know, hearing about their garden and what bloomed this week and what are they cooking for right. the garden. I mean, you wouldn't know that before. Um, so I like that. That's been really good. Same thing, you know, happy hours with girlfriends. We did a virtual wine tasting. That was an experience. Uh, the oh, winemaker nice. took his iPad and walked us through the vineyard. <laughs> I mean, so it's kind of different, but. That's um, great. Yeah, yeah. And did you have, did you each have samples of the wine you were, you were we going to be tasting? We did. They shipped out five bottles of wine ahead of time and then told you which one to pour when and talked about it. And it was, there were, I think six couples on it on the zoom with us, like six friends. That's and, a, that's um, a was, fantastic idea. It was a good time. It was a good time. I did a yeah. flavor of that with my, uh, my brothers and some friends for my brother's 40th birthday recently. Uh, and we did a, a virtual hot ones challenge. If you're familiar with the, uh, the TV show, it's a YouTube show no. actually, but okay. uh, the idea is it's a really, really neat show. One of my favorite episodes is with Gordon Ramsay. And the concept is the, the host of this show interviews somebody as they eat 
progressively hotter hot wings. Oh, uh, and, and oh my gosh. Okay. You, you see people gradually completely lose their composure over the course <laughs> of, uh, yes. of this interview. And uh, yeah, he, he's actually had a number of a pretty impressive A-list celebrities uh, on the on the show and and it's a lot of fun and uh, cool. sa same thing we coordinated having the same set of um, <laughs> the same set of uh, hot sauces distributed to uh, everyone that was participating in this uh, distributed hot ones challenge <laughs> so shifting shifting gears a little bit yeah. from from wine and hot wings and uh, those those sound amazing to me right yeah, now very we'll, important we'll to talk about we'll, 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 we'll try to charge through uh, and, and I want to hear a little bit more about the professional uh, side of, of things. And, and first, tell us a little bit about your business. So you co-founded Lawkirk, which is a network for freelances, freelance lawyers. Can, can you just walk us through uh, why you founded Lawkirk, how it works, and, and what a, a freelance lawyer network is, is all about? Sure, sure. We're going to pack that. So uh, five years ago, I, it's like exactly five years ago this month, actually, I was at a, a partner at a larger regional firm and a small group of partners there, we all decided to leave and uh, build our own firm, a boutique firm, much smaller. And the big impetus for that was we were growing concerning more and more concerned about the overhead demands at the larger firm and if that was realistic to maintain as a long-term business model. And so we left, we started our firm five years ago this month. So it's exciting to be able to celebrate that, even though we probably won't see each other. Um, Happy anniversary. Thanks. Yeah. Um, thankfully with the firm, we started using Clio from day one. And so the transition to, for that team to go work remote was seamless, easy. Great. And, um, so that's great. But really the, the process of going from that bigger firm to the smaller firm made us realize we missed a couple of things. So for example, we missed certain areas of legal expertise. Um, my background is I'm an estate planning lawyer. I do trust and estates probate and, you know, weird things come up on my cases from time to time. So for example, I'd have things come up once in a while related to gaming because we live in Las Vegas. I have clients that own gaming assets or have gaming licenses. And it was really nice at the bigger firm to be able to just walk down the hall, knock on my partner's door that does gaming and say, Hey, this is my issue that's going on. What do I need to be thinking about? What should I do? And when you go to a smaller firm that doesn't have as broad of a, an array of expertise like that, you can't just walk down the hall and knock on someone's door. And we wanted a way to still be able to tap into that type of expertise from time to time when you need it in a flexible way. The other thing that we missed was, you know, um, a lot of my partners do trial work. And when you're gearing up for trial, there's times you just need more lawyers around to hammer out documents, work on yep. motions and lemony, prep trial exhibits. Like you just need boots on the ground help. And so these two factors of from time to time, just needing a lot more people than we have at our 16 lawyer firm to needing the expertise. Uh, and this was also the, around the rise of Airbnb and Uber and some of those businesses. We were like, well, what can you do in legal? That's kind of like that to like match people up that have right. expertise or have time with the people that need that help. And out of this whole ongoing discussion for a couple of years after that came law clerk and we launched in January of, 18. So we're in our third year of business now. And it's been quite a roller coaster. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So, and congratulations on, on both a five-year anniversary with your firm and approaching uh, three years uh, with, with Law Clerk. That's a big milestone Thank you. Uh, on, on both fronts, uh, especially for a startup. Uh, and, and the survival rate in startups is, 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 is not great. So to make it to three years uh, is an incredible achievement. And, and you highlighted, I think, a really important 
pain point that, that's almost a structural pain point in the way that most law firms are run, which is when you're thinking about your peak demand and the maximum busyness that you'll, you'll reach, you can either staff to that peak or turn away business that might have larger demands than you're able to address right now, or, or worse, take on those cases that you maybe don't have the capacity for and underserve your clients and, and, and maybe even go as far as uh, being in breach of your, your responsibilities yeah. and, and, and all the risks that go along with that. So I, I think it's a, it's a real juggling act for firms of all sizes to figure out what is the right capacity for, for us. And having this idea of on-demand services is a, is a really powerful one. Like this idea of there being variable capacity that you can kind of turn a dial on is, is, a, is a pretty unique one for, for law firms. There aren't many firms that are leveraging those services or maybe even aware of those services uh, being available. So can you tell us a little bit what it's been like educating the market around this, this concept? Because it is a pretty new one. And it's, sure. it, and I'm curious to see what your experience have been in terms of that education and, and maybe some of the, the light bulb moments you've seen happen for your clients as they start to uh, start to experience this, this idea of variable capacity? Well, sure. That's largely been what I've focused my work on the last three years is educating lawyers, getting the word out about Law Clark. Um, you know, in many regards, the whole idea of a contract lawyer is nothing new to legal. We've had so-called contract lawyers for decades. You know, this was a lawyer yeah. that maybe in your community, you pick up the phone and call and say, hey, I've got this appellate brief. I don't really want to write it. I've been living and eating and breathing this case for five years and I want some fresh eyes on this brief. I want someone else to write it. Great. The problem with that contract lawyer setup is well, what happens? I mean, how do you know that this buddy of yours that you call from time to time is really qualified? Maybe they aren't, but they're hungry. So they pick up the work. Uh, maybe they're not available. Then who do you go to? Uh, yeah. there's, there, and then also that with that model, you were typically paying them an hourly rate for their contract work not knowing going into it how much it was going to cost. And so a lot of times lawyers would get bills from their contract lawyer that were way beyond what they expected. And we've heard a lot of stories from freelancers getting stiffed in that scenario. So um, our model is all project by project flat fee. There's no fee to sign up. There's no monthly fee. So that makes it really easy to access. And the, the hurdles we've had to overcome with education are, um, there's a few. I'd say the big ones are there is, for whatever reason, this stereotype that a freelance lawyer is um, is a lawyer who can't get a quote unquote real job. And for those mm -hmm. of you listening to the podcast who can't see me, I'm doing air quotes around the words <laughs> real job, whatever that Got means in legal. Okay. So um, I think getting the word out about the quality and the talent and the experience level of a lot of these freelance lawyers has been really key. Uh, they come from every background you can think of. We've got law professors that freelance. We've got former big law attorneys with really specialized knowledge in really high level legal areas that, that have gotten burned out, don't want to do the big law race anymore. And so now they want to just do freelance work. We've got, yeah, lawyers that stay home with kids or with elderly parents. We've got uh, retired and semi-retired lawyers with decades of experience. Talk about the power of maybe a seven or eighth year lawyer who's running their own firm for them to be able to hire a 25 year lawyer to collaborate on an appellate brief right. and get that done. Like it's just really amazing. Um, uh, military spouses, that's another big category because you know, they get moved around every two to three years. And in fact, I didn't know until I got into this more was that the majority of military bases are in really rural areas. So they're not getting stationed in New York city where there's a billion jobs or 
you know, really um, highly populated areas. So that makes it hard for them to find jobs beyond the licensing restrictions as well. So number one, educating folks about the talent level of these freelancers and that they're really qualified folks. Um, uh, that's, and that's the, probably the number one feedback we get from the people that work with us too is, wow, I can't believe I found this person and they're willing to do freelance work. Right. It's amazing. Yeah, really important point. And, and realizing that life circumstances put people in a position where freelancing is the, the right fit for them, yeah. just as you see in all sorts of other parts of the economy. And these are sometimes the best people in the space that are doing this kind of freelance work. And, and it's an enormous opportunity to be able to, to leverage these folks in, uh, in your cases. Uh, now, now, tell us a little bit about how you've seen COVID-19 impact your, your business, how it's impacted Law Clerk, and how you see maybe the landscape for freelance attorneys shifting over the coming months. Sure. So, wow, what an interesting experience the last eight weeks. So we've all been working from home. We transitioned our team to work from home very quickly, and they're up and running, doing a great job. Um, we are, I'm very pleased to be able to say that we are continuing to see growth. We are seeing month over month growth. We absolutely expect to see growth quarter after quarter. I mean, you know, from your early days, I'm sure when you're this new of a startup, you're looking at daily metrics, weekly yeah. metrics, monthly metrics. And um, yeah, there was a little bit of an initial slowdown in March when everybody was kind of like, what? We have to go home and work, but right. everything's picked up. Um, the courts are figuring it out. Legal is coming back to life. Um, clients and their issues. Yeah, some are delaying services, but a lot of them are not. Um, and so we're really happy to see growth both from uh, a steady influx of freelancers joining the site. We haven't seen like a deluge. That's the one question I keep getting is, oh, I bet you're getting like thousands of lawyers signing up to freelance. We're not getting like a deluge of freelancers, but there's definitely a, a continuously steady stream of new freelance talent coming onto the site, which is good. Um, and, and you're seeing, to be clear, increase on the, the demand side for those freelance attorneys yes. as well. And yes. are you seeing that uh, just as an overall trend in line with your previous growth rate, or are you seeing a change that you think is being driven directly or indirectly by COVID-19? Right. I think it's still too early to tell because really it's two months in to see to see that. But the feedback we are getting some, from some of our users on the demand side, the hiring attorney side, is that they are uh, transitioning now from you know, they used to spend hours on a daily commute or sitting in court waiting for hearings to be called. They're taking that time and using it to finally set up these systems and processes that they wanted to set up to properly delegate to freelance right. lawyers. And so they, we've had a lot of people say, you know, really a silver lining of this is I'm finally taking the time to get myself organized to start outsourcing and delegating and getting the help I've needed for so long. They've, you know, so that's great. Very interesting. Um, and mm -hmm. we're, we're seeing the same thing on the technology side, by the way. Maybe that's okay. going hand in hand. But the the silver lining of things slowing down a little bit has been, okay, I'm going to finally implement the technology stack I've been putting off. I'm going to yeah. modernize my law firm. I'm going to start leveraging freelance attorneys. That That's, I, I think, uh, a real silver lining is, is firms that had been punting on some of these changes are finally able to position to make those investments and position themselves for what likely will be a, a deluge in, in demand in the coming months. Yeah, I mean, you guys have been predicting this for years, that there's going to be a transformation in legal to incorporate technology. And it's happening right now at breakneck speed. I was on it a is. conference call with local judges because I still have an active license. So, you know, they have like a big 
Zoom call with all Nevada lawyers. I log into that. And one of the judges said, and I love this quote, she said, our core IT department is dragging the courts, kicking and screaming into the, the next century uh, as far as technology. <laughs> and so, you know, hopefully the courts, because they're being forced to adapt, it's going to trickle down. Other lawyers are going right. to do it too. And lawyers who have been tethered to their office because of a server are now looking for ways to cut that cord and to be able to work more seamlessly at home, at the office, wherever. I think we're going to see some sort of a hybrid working model where people aren't as wed to working only in the office as they maybe were before. Agree. Agree wholeheartedly. And, and other than increased growth, both on the demand and, and the supply side, I guess, in terms of freelance lawyers, are you seeing any other interesting changes as a result of COVID-19? Are you seeing anything shift in terms of the, the nature of the, the work that's coming in or, or the mindset of the, the firms that are, are working with you? Sure. Um, definitely. Right now, we're seeing more work in the areas of real estate, primarily people looking to get out of deals. Um, and we're seeing a lot of work in the employment spectrum of uh, uh, cases involving workers being either forced to go to work when they don't feel it's safe, they don't want to, people being terminated when they feel like they shouldn't have been. Um, so employment has been very busy, real estate's been very busy. Again, our core all the time is family, bankruptcy, uh, criminals maybe slow down a little bit, but there's still pending cases that are, that are, you know, there's maybe not as many new cases, but the pending cases are still getting worked through our system. Um, and we've seen a number of really interesting COVID specific projects go through the site. For example, one, and this was back in March, it was, it was early. There was a, a project, the attorney had a client who was based in Europe and had started some mobile testing, like, um, vans or buses in Europe to go around and do COVID tests. And mm -hmm. that company wanted to quickly expand into the Northeast, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. And they wanted a memo for each state on the licensing and regulatory things that their client would have to check off the list in order to be, get those mobile units up and running to do the mobile tests. So that was kind of interesting, but yeah, super, super interesting. And you know, I'm, I'm curious if you're a law firm thinking about the, the possibility of of using a, a freelance network like Law Clerk is there a, a kind of self assessment that you can go through to figure out am I ready for this and am I handling the kind of cases that might make this a, a service that I could I could leverage? Can you give a little bit of guidance to our listeners on that front? Sure, sure. Um, I, I'm, I will absolutely give some guidance, and then I want to point out two resources before I start talking and forget. Number one. If you are listening to this and you say, okay, I know I need to learn more about this. I need to tap into this as a resource. If you go to our website, lawclerk.legal, at the top banner, we have mm -hmm. um, a document called the Ultimate Guide to Legal Outsourcing. And it's 42 pages of goodness written by my co-founder, Talitha Kozalski, and it really goes in depth. So if you have some time for some reading right now and you want to dig into this, go download that Ultimate Guide, and that's going to walk you through so much of what you need to know, Perfect. including- And we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes yeah, too, by the awesome. way. And that also includes a project delegation worksheet. So we've come, we came up with a four page worksheet that if you really need a lawyer who needs some handholding, they can go through the worksheet to make sure they properly scope out and chart their project. It's really not that hard, but the worksheet's there to break it down for folks who need a little extra guidance. But um, in terms of where to get started with outsourcing, yeah, we generally tell lawyers, pick something easy. Uh, pick something like, a research project. That's a no-brainer. Um, pick something like maybe you have a blog on your law firm website and you just haven't had some new content for a while. You could go hire some of our freelancers to write blogs for you on a list of 
articles or topics that you specify. That's another super easy one to get started. Um, I think every lawyer, especially litigators, uh, almost always have some sort of discovery work that they could hand off. Um, I have a, yet to meet a lawyer who genuinely tells me they love discovery. So, <laughs> you know, you can offload that discovery work pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, yeah, a lot of lawyers test the waters with an easier project. But we also have people that dive right in. We had one guy, his first project was a $20,000 appellate brief. So talk about taking the plunge. Um, uh, we see the whole spectrum. But if you really are hesitant for some reason, I would say, number one, pick something, get out of your own way, and give it a shot. Because that's the only way you're going to find out if and how it works for you. And I think you're going to be pretty pleasantly surprised. So I think that's an interesting uh, suggestion as well. This doesn't need to be an all in, you know, boil the ocean kind of uh, effort or investment. Try it for something small for one case and just do a, almost a pilot project and, and see how it works and see if it's a good fit for you and kind of double down from there. If you see it, see it working well. Um, are, are you seeing law firms look at the, and it's still early days, so the answer may be no, but are you seeing law firms look at the variable capacity that firms like Law Clerk can provide in a different light in the, the COVID-19 climate as it relates to maybe a general unwillingness to do net new hiring? You know, we're certainly seeing a lot of trepidation around that front, but we're also seeing firms deal with big spikes in demand. Uh, we're seeing that in bankruptcy, we're seeing it in employment, we're seeing it in in other practice areas that are really booming, are, are you becoming an outlet for some of those those needs, or do you see early signs of that starting to shape up? We do, and that's really exciting. Um, so, a couple of stories in that regard. We've talked to I don't know how many, just countless lawyers who had really ambitious growth plans for 2020. You know, it's like a whole new decade. People came into the decade. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna slay. I'm gonna grow my firm. I'm gonna hire two new lawyers every quarter, you know, guns a blazing. And then everyone had their great yep. 2020 plans, right? Yep. The, their vision we were, boards are up on the wall. They were <laughs> yeah. ready to go. And then this happened. And I think initially for a lot of people, they felt like the rug got pulled out from under them. And then yeah. they said, okay, wait, is there a way to still bring in the, the volume of cases? Cause maybe they're lucky in that they're, they're marketing's working, their phones are ringing. They've got the work. They still need the help. And so, yes, there has been um, a, uh, there has been a really large number of attorneys joining us who had otherwise planned to hire a traditional in-office associate, but are now nervous about that overhead expense and the uncertainty of what's going what's legal going to look like in six months or a year. So they don't want to make that higher. Um, we've also had some lawyers, and I love this story, um, who are looking to add practice areas. So you mentioned bankruptcy, and a lot of people think bankruptcy is going to pick up. Um, so for lawyers who maybe, yeah, you took bankruptcy in law school. You answer the questions about the bar exam, but you don't really know much more about it. This is a good time for you to, first of all, go do your own education you need to practice in that area. Go take CLEs, yep. up to speed. But if you are still a little bit nervous about maybe taking on those clients, you can come in and collaborate with some of our freelancers who have experience in whatever area of law you're thinking about adding um, to you know, collaborate, work together these cases while you learn them and refine your own systems. Yeah, I, I think that's a super important point and a big opportunity is, is especially for, for lawyers that are negatively impacted by this crisis with the, with their set of current practice areas, we are going to see lawyers thinking about how do I pivot to some of these extremely high demand practice areas? 
And I, I think what we saw in the 08-09 crisis that we need to be very cognizant of is we actually saw a big spike in malpractice uh, because lawyers were jumping into practice areas that they, they, they were getting in over their heads. And, and having this safety net or, or call it training wheels, but a resource uh, in the form of freelance lawyers that have been there, done that, and can help train you up on this and provide a little bit of a support infrastructure for you as you adapt to these new practice areas. And some of these practice areas, we're going to see unprecedented demand, which I think is going to be a big yeah. opportunity. But but you've pointed out, I think, a very valuable way that you can leverage these these freelance uh, attorneys to to help up your game and to help tackle and be adaptable to what the legal landscape and its demands might look like in the coming uh, in the coming months. I'm 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 curious. You know, we've seen in so many areas that this this crisis has has really helped accelerate and transform some of the trends that were well underway in, in many industries. Um, legal is, is, is one among many, you know, we're seeing how retail might've played out uh, in a more compressed timeframe. We're seeing how legal is going to play out in a more compressed timeframe. When, when you look at the, the future of the practice of law and some of the impacts uh, this, this crisis is, is driving, do you, do you have a perspective on what some of the lasting impacts uh, on the legal profession this crisis will remain will, will have in particular as it relates to the use of uh, freelance attorneys and these kinds of, of networks sure well we've seen trends for uh, a number of years now from big law actually Altman whale they do an annual report kind of like your legal trends report but focused mm-hmm. on the bigger big law segment and that have shown that big law has been using uh, outsourced attorney resources for a number of years and seeing success with them. And so we've seen that trickle into the small law space. We like to think, thanks in part to law clerk coming on board. Um, And we think that's only going to continue. We think it's going to become much more mainstream. Law clerk is the gig economy meets legal. And I think that we are now really shifting into much more of a gig economy space. It's going to offer the flexibility the affordability, the adaptability that lawyers need to remain competitive moving forward. I think that's that's bang on. Um, now let's let's look at the other side of the coin. Uh, maybe for um, those that have been impacted negatively by some of the the layoffs and furloughs and and other reductions in force that many law firms have undergone in the last two months. If you're uh, newly available. Uh, and you've been perhaps been impacted by some of those those cuts. Um, how, how would you think about uh, p- potentially becoming part of your network and evaluating whether becoming a freelance uh, attorney is the the right fit for you? Sure, there's a lot of lawyers out there right now uh, who are making those sorts of assessments and reevaluating what they want from their legal career. And um, so, in that regard, for a lot of people, it's a unique opportunity to shift gears and maybe go a different route than they were before. So anyone who thinks that they want to incorporate freelance legal work into their career moving forward on a full-time or part-time basis, a couple things I would say to you. Number one, you're absolutely welcome to to come join the Law Clerk Network. We are always accepting new freelancers. There's no fee to sign up. There's no monthly fee, unlike some other sites that do charge a monthly fee. So if you want to check it out and see if it's something that can help you, by all means, please join us. And if you have questions about that, we've got a a great support team on the site. They can answer questions. Um, The most successful freelancers that I've met over the past few years, if they are people that decide they want to be a a dedicated freelance lawyer and that's what their career looks like, 
the things I see are they are reaching out to their own network. Okay, so think about old school marketing to your law school alumni group, the other lawyers in your community, by practice area, by you know whatever area you want to be into. Don't overlook reaching out to your own network saying, hey, you know what? I'm taking on some freelance work. If you need some help, keep me in mind. Okay, plus there's social media networks too, which is great. Right. The most successful freelancers tend to have two to four direct clients, either attorneys or law firms that they're doing work for directly. Awesome. They do work for us as well. Um, we do have we do have quite a few number, I don't know the exact number, but we do have quite a few that solely feed themselves based on the, the law clerk work. But by and large, the people I talk to generally have a few direct clients they work with, and then they also do the, the gig work on our site. So just don't overlook reaching out to your own network to let them know that you're available should they need help. I think that's a really uh, good step for folks to take. And can you tell us a little bit, like if you are stepping into this opportunity, is, is there, is there a minimum commitment you need to, to make in terms of the number of projects or the number of hours you're committing, or could this really be put yourself up for, for grabs and see what you end up getting, getting matched with kind of like an, yeah. an Uber driver, I guess. I, I don't think there's any kind of minimum in terms of how much you're yeah. driving. You just put yourself out there and see if you, you catch a fare. Exactly. You know, the good thing about Uber is you can only be giving one ride at a time. So that Uber automatically paces their drivers. With our site, we do occasionally have freelancers that were like, oh, wait, they have seven projects going right now. Is that too much? Like, right. you got to pace yourself. Um, and so um, we've had a few folks figure that out the hard way and it all worked out. It was fine, but I don't think they slept a lot for like a whole week. R right. Um, so do you have to kind of pace yourself, look at your own uh, workflow before you're applying to a lot of projects, but there is an opportunity to have multiple pieces of work going for multiple lawyers at the same time. I was just thinking kind of a meta way you could have a law clerk freelance attorney hiring other law clerk freelance attorneys if they <laughs> took on, took on oh, too much work. <laughs> yeah. You're like going into the matrix there, Jack. I don't even know what just happened right, with that well, idea. So. We'll, we'll take a step back from there. Yeah. Um, well, th this has been a, um, really informative discussion. I, I think it's been educational for me and I know for many of our listeners in terms of this resource that uh, freelance lawyers can provide, not just in a time of crisis like COVID-19, but the kind of flexibility and adaptability it can provide uh, in times when we're not in, in crisis and just need that barrier of capacity. And, and, and frankly, it sounds like an amazing opportunity for part-time or full-time employment for people that may not fit into the more traditional law firm model. There's so many people that uh, are just in a life situation where, where freelancing makes, uh, makes a ton of sense. And I think you're, you're doing all of this in, in kind of a technology enabled way as well. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the technology side of things before we close out? I'd love to just hear how you think about technology enabling all of this and sure. how you, how you think about the, the broader, role technology has to play in, in this world? Sure. Um, I'll address it actually kind of in terms of law clerk because there's a couple of key points I want to make yeah. here. Number one, anytime you're outsourcing to a freelance lawyer, whether it's through our site or otherwise, attorneys need to be really mindful of still protecting client confidentiality. Uh, um, yeah. And so one of the safeguards we do is we have, we have a number of hoops we make lawyers jump through before they're accepted onto the site to make sure they're really a lawyer that they're, they are who they are. So this is not okay. a site for lawyers for lawyers, no consumers. And we really work hard to police that. Um, beyond that, Every, so every lawyer on the site is already bound by their duty of uh, confidentiality that they take when they become a lawyer. We on each 
project have a, uh, an additional non-disclosure agreement, confidentiality agreement that the law clerk signs every single time, okay? Um, all of the data, communications, documents is housed through Amazon Web Services, which has the highest level of security and encryption that we can find for our users. So we have done our own due diligence to try and make the site as safe and secure for you mm -hmm. to use. Now, beyond that, law clerk, yeah, we connect lawyers with freelance lawyers. That's the gist of what we do. But we also provide a number of tools that make working remotely with a freelance lawyer a lot easier than you might think. So there's built-in chat features back and forth. There is built-in document sharing and communication. There's timekeeping. Now, if you also go into your law clerk account and click integrate with Clio, because we do integrate with you guys, um, what that does is it allows your two accounts to communicate back and forth. Now, back when I was just a lawyer before I was also a legal tech entrepreneur, I would have heard the, the word integration and been like, well, that sounds complicated. I can't right. figure that out. But it's really clicking a few buttons. And all it does is allow the accounts to talk back and forth. And that syncs up a couple of key pieces of data. So if you, uh, as a busy attorney, you assign a freelance lawyer to write a motion for you, whatever deadline you give them in Law Clerk is going to automatically show up as a calendar entry on your Clio account. Um, when the freelancer inputs their time, because the freelancers do still track the amount of time they spend working on a project and give you a time log, if you're a Clio user, it's going to sync those time entries to your Clio pre-bill for that matter so that you don't forget to bill the freelancer's time to your client at a reasonable market rate. So Got these it. are some really cool pieces of uh, technology that are built into our site to make it easier for lawyers to do work remotely with freelancers and still keep them and their clients secure. Yeah, secure and, and you're also making that interaction almost transparent. You're just having so much data flow through back and forth securely and on one platform uh, that, that just takes a ton of friction out of the equation. Uh, Chris, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I was wondering if there's a parting thought that you'd like to leave our listeners with speaking to them either as legal professionals or as human beings. Sure. Well, we're recording this. I don't know when it's going to air. We're recording this on the Friday of Lawyer Wellbeing Week. And so I, in the vein of well-being, um, you know, this week I heard about a lawyer who had a heart attack. There's nothing new, uh, noteworthy in that other than the fact that she was 28 years old. Oh. Um, and so I really hope lawyers can be good to themselves and be good to each other. I've also heard stories this week of lawyers uh, reporting each other to bar complaints because they weren't able to reach settlements and mediations and playing these stupid games that like really don't matter people. So please uh, do your best to be kind to yourself, your other fellow human beings in this profession um, so that we can come out of this stronger than ever to help our clients. Well said. Well, again, thanks so much for joining me, Kristen. Really enjoyed this conversation and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Take care, Jack. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Daily Matters today, a podcast from Clio. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Daily Matters is produced by Andrew Booth, Sam Rosenthal, and Derek Bolin, and hosted by yours truly, Jack Newton. Thanks also to Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal technology provider for supporting this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Clio, please visit clio.com. 